Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. And as normal, I have my friend and colleague with me today, Nitin Gower. Hello, Nitin. Hey, Derek. Glad to be here, this time from Washington, D.C. Um, another great week ahead, I think. You're just an extraordinary accumulator of holiday and frequent flyer points. That's my guess. <laughs> uh, true, true. <laughs> I, I try to do my best, uh, Derek. Just try to get out there, learn a bit more of what's going on in the industry and comes along on the side uh, in some miles and some points. I'll take exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, good on you. Hey, today, let's seek some clarity. So, you know, the name cryptocurrencies, surely that just means that every one of these things is just a digital currency, like a US dollar or a UK pound or an Aussie dollar or a Vietnamese dong, right? Um, so wrong. Cryptocurrencies aren't all currencies. It really is quite a misleading name. And so the realm of crypto assets, you know, it's as expansive and as complex as traditional economies. So that includes exchanges and banks and real estate, mining, manufacturing, wholesale, retail, defense, agriculture, etc., etc. You get what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. But how do you define crypto assets? And this is something that we're really going to get into talk about today. I'm excited about this. So today we have a gentleman from um, Wilshire's, which was founded back in 1972 as a provider of financial services, such as market leading indexes and robust financial analytics and end-to-end -end investment solutions for major institutional investors. So they've been building indexes for a long time. Back in 2017, they started looking at crypto assets, primarily focusing on Bitcoin as an asset. But in the past 12 months, they've been working on a bigger picture. So Nitin, this is a really big topic, but it's yeah. awesome as it can possibly give us all an insight into the massive and rapid growing realm, um, which we're trying to help define and categorize. So today to help us do that, is Martin Howard. He's the Senior Vice President of Index Research at Wilshire's and today speaking to us from sunny London. Hello, Martin. How are you? Hi there. I'm very good. Thanks. And thanks very much for inviting me along. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Oh, delighted. So you and I first met back in June 15 when I was visiting London and it was sunny at the time in the city, which is where um, Wilshire's is based. And, um, and we, we started discussing the fact that you guys had done an extraordinary job of not just building multiple indexes, which I'd be keen to hear about, but really analyzing the taxonomy and the tokenomics of this sector and defining it. That's what I'd love you to talk about. If you can give us some insight to how that started and, and, and what the goal is to achieve. Sure. So I think you know, fundamentally, Wilshire sees digital assets, crypto assets, uh, cryptocurrencies, um, very much 
at the forefront of where things will be in, in, the, in the coming years, and particularly the idea of tokenization. So that's the, the digitization of a real world asset into, into a form which can be traded on, on a blockchain. So its ownership um, can be exchanged via the secure blockchain. So you can imagine how fundamentally disruptive that will be to the to the wider marketplace because mm. you have clearing and settlement all within within the blockchain environment so the, the disimmediation of of the market is 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 huge so i think it's the profound changes that will come in, in the, the coming years really stem from from the introduction of, of blockchain and and the technologies that now surround that so for us it was at wilshire it was very much uh, you know this is where we think things will go. Um, the disruptive technology will be adopted more and more. There are companies and foundations that are utilizing this technology or creating new products and services with, with this technology and, and with the blockchain and the distributed network. So how do we capture that um, for potential investors? You know, where, where does someone go if they want to invest in an in a asset um, and the easiest way to do that is through indexing because you get the benefit of diversification, you uh, spread your risk around. Um, and that led to a whole set of new problems and issues because, you know, right, right at the, the very ground uh, level, there, there's not a price. I mean, there are prices right across the board um, from various exchanges, but there are multiple exchanges which are not great. Um, and there are multiple exchanges that are great. So we, we had to go right back to basics and derive our own price, which we knew was clean, robust, and, and free from, you know, influence of nefar nefarious actors that, that you get. And so from, from the price, then we were able to, to build the, in, the indices, and, and that's what we've, we've got. And there's several of them that launched last year and, and earlier this year, um, the sort of top five uh, digital assets, um, all the way through to sort of thematic kind of concepts where smart contract platforms and environmentally focused assets, you know, those assets which have a lower environmental impact um, from their consensus mechanism, for example. Mm. Um, but as part of that, a lot of infrastructure is not there. So you could imagine, you know, for a normal investor, it's difficult because the custody and clearing is, is challenging, although it's a very fast changing uh, space so it's not as difficult as it say was but simple things like well what is bitcoin or what is ethereum what is cardano or Aave? um you know where where do they sit in this broader ecosystem and that really led to our search for um, a taxonomy system and so we we went into partnership with digital asset research which is a, a research house based in new york um and we've sort of adopted and expanded on their um, taxonomy system, which is now the digital asset taxonomy system um, that's, uh, that we have at Wilshire. So that itself is a culmination of probably three or so years work. Um, and I guess I've worked on and off with digital asset research for, for about the same length of time. So it's, it's not always on DATS, but, but on, on other aspects in the market as well. But it's, it's been a, it's a long, process these things don't sort of you know fall off fall off the cart into into the, your hands yes. to be easily used especially when you're redefining something from scratch in an industry that's so young 
Um, we're so used to having an existing industry that we can work from and just simply make variations to the index. Um, but so when you talk about digital assets taxonomy, um, you know, is that a bottom up solution or is it a top down solution or is it a combination? What, how do you, how do you create the sectors and what are the sectors? Um, I, I think it's a mixture of top down and, and bottom up. Um, I think the motivation behind DATS in terms of its structure and, and the hierarchy, which is um, three super sectors, um, that's digital currencies, computational platforms and financial instruments. I think that the motivation there behind the structure is that it's familiar to the existing institutional investors. So they're, they're used to a hierarchical structure within say the likes of GICs or ICB um, in, the, in the equity space. So to keep it similar to that, I think was, was one motivation because it then sits and falls easily into existing attribution uh, analysis, for example, or other re research and, and risk um, metrics you may, you may wish to derive from, from a classification. So, and then the, the next part is really, it comes down to what's the use case. Um, so, as we see it, there are broadly three major use cases. Um, that's digital currencies, um, where there's a medium of exchange or a unit of account. Um, so obviously Bitcoin falls in, into that category, um, for example. Um, the next major use case really is the computational platform. And, and that's at least on top of the computational platform is, is where I would say the majority of digital assets sit. So on the one hand, they're the familiar names like Cardano and Ethereum, which are the, the company, you know, smart contract platforms, the, the, the network where you can create a, um, a small computer program that allows you to contract some function. Um, but on top of below that, once you've got that, that facility, that, that utility, you can create all manner of um, um, applications and so there are gaming tokens video tokens there are tokens associated with companies that allow information to be introduced into the blockchain because you have to remember the blockchain is wholly isolated from the real world so you know to get information in is is a challenge um, there are other applications you know that sit within this this realm so that the yields earning the, the, dis, the distributed um, exchanges, our decentralized exchanges and automated market makers. So then the next kind of area we saw is that what we call financial instruments. And really um, they are what I would say the tokenized um, products of existing financial services. Um, so it may be tokenized versions of indices perhaps the Wilshire 5000 as, as, a, as a digital token or, or a, a bond, a government bond, the US Treasury, for example, or the, the UK gilt. Um, and that you have other coins in there that would be your yield farms as well, and particularly governance tokens and tokens where you can earn a yield through um, maintaining the network you know, as, as, as a governance activity. So... For us, it was those were the three clear defining lines in, in the space. And then after that, well, you, you split it out. I mean, there's uh, 
a smart contract a platform like ethereum it, it has a job it does it does that it may have some other uses but that fundamentally is is what it's for there the oracles for example Chainlink. um it, it it has a particular job it's it is an oracle and that's that's what it does it, it allows you to put information from the real world onto onto the blockchain gaming tokens or or gambling tokens you know they they have a fundamental thing they allow you to gamble or game or, or purchase game time you know decentralized decentral land being online real estate essentially so so after after you've kind of put them in these blocks it's actually i wouldn't say it's a simple matter but it, it's things start to fall into place i think um because you you can go and look at a coin and say it does this that's what they designed it to do so we'll put it into that category if there's not a category we'll create a new one um and in the future, there may be new categories. Um, mm. We've got 42 or so at the moment, these, these sub-sectors. Um, so, so heading down yeah. from where so, you've gone through, there's one industry, three super sectors that you've gone through. Yeah. And within those three super sectors, there's 10 sub-sectors. So the super sectors are kind of, you know, di is digital currencies, so to speak, as a super sector. And then there's three subsectors, yeah. privacy, general purpose, stablecoin. And, and, yeah. and then as I said, it's down to 10 sectors. And then there's 42 subsectors. I mean, it, it sounds complicated, but you put it into a structure, it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things we want to promote is clarity um, in the space, because there are lots of competing formats and and different products out there some contradict each other some don't um but you know we our goal very much is to, is to provide clarity and robustness from an institutional perspective um that's you know there's plenty of clarity out there say from the retail perspective but that's not necessarily suitable for from the in the institutional space um so to have that i think is is very useful um, particularly to capture the the whole space and ecosystem in a way that's transparent and and is easily understandable i think i mean because there is so much complexity down below but once you get into the weeds it, it can get very murky very quickly so to to have things described in plain english even if you have to go and you know use a, a glossary to you know get the nitty-gritty of what a particular term is um, it, it, at least to have that clarity, I think, is is very important. Yeah. So, so Martin, help us understand this because this has been a sticking point for the industry in general, not just the ability for us to classify the industry and put them in a shape that we can understand. And, and I think it's a human need to classify things so we can put them in different buckets and understand how they behave. But there's a downstream function to this, whether it's an investment thesis or whether it's making investment decisions or even trying to evaluate the industry as a whole in terms of where things are. And when we started this journey, we went down the path of looking into this holistically, right? looking into this in terms of what's a layer one protocol, who's, who are truly providing the decentralized compute infrastructure, what are the applications evolving, and then came DeFi, NFTs, and it continues to evolve, both in terms of healthcare applications, loyalty applications. And I really like what you have done in this digital asset taxonomy where you have brought three platforms. And if you look at what Coindesk has done, they have three, six broad categories similar to yours. And you begin to now see that the industry is trying to 
fit this model into the traditional equities research model in terms of how we classify and categorize these different industries and their equities and their stocks and their sort of, uh, you know, approach, whether it's media and entertainment, computing services, real estate. Um, love to get your thought on the process uh, more than the sanctity of this whole classification system where we take this and many investment managers and folks who are involved in the research begin to understand the correlation between these different subsectors, for example, and how they relate to the broader sectors. In fact, even I would, I would argue that your three super sectors that you have laid out, which is digital currency and compute platforms and financial instruments, they are intricately linked. Uh, and, and it'll be super interesting to understand your thinking and your process behind laying it all out. And what happens when you have five or six different standards that are emerging in the industry? Doesn't that create its own interesting challenge for us to navigate through that and, and sift through finding the commonalities and finding interesting you know, diversions if I can use that term. So I'll just pause here. I'd love to get your thoughts on that process of how do you go about doing this? Sure. So um, starting at starting with your last point on several competing versions, I mean, I think that's inevitable. I mean, it's it's a young space. The, there are plenty of opportunities out there to, to create something that, that gets used. Um, and over time, people will adopt a, a particular one. And or, or two, I mean, there's no reason why DATS will be, be the only one in the future. I mean, there, there will likely be two or three competing forms just as that there are in, in the equity space, but it, it will be a gradual process. Um, someone will adopt this and money will follow it. And, and once money follows it, then then those that money doesn't follow uh, will will slowly die by the wayside ultimately, un unless they, they provide a, a value add that's say missing with, with with something else so you know in the future th there could be other things and that's that's part of the reason why dats is very dynamic um so it can try and maintain its relevance to to the marketplace um so it is updated every three months um for example so coins do change what their original their intention yeah. was um for example and they do adapt i mean the foundations and companies and and groups behind the coins you know they're they're trying to get bread for their tables as the same way as everyone else so you know they they do need to adapt which is more difficult of course with with something that's hardcore programmed but you know it is it is possible because once you're on a distributed form um with a consensus mechanism ultimately you can you can probably do anything um given time but really i mean the the thought process, as I, as I said, was, you know, to split everything out, you know, what, what's the most granular extent can we go that makes sense? Um, and for many of these coins, there are multiple use cases, um, and, and that does add a challenge. And But that's true for equities as well. And I think increasingly in the equity space, you'll see classification systems that look at additional use cases. Um, Apple was the classic example, uh, Amazon is the classic example rather, um, you know, it, it provides cloud computing services um, and uh, video streaming services and, uh, you know, a marketplace and, and bookstore. So it's, you know, it's, it's three different uh, things in one really. And you get that in, in digital currencies as well. There's no, 
difference there particularly so but there is a fundamental use case i think and that's you have to go all the way through to the often to the white papers and and have a delve into there and and get an understanding of actually what it what is it that they they are doing so um so 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 that the listeners know for a change i'm actually going to post if it's okay um a link to this definition document um, that defines the taxonomy yeah. of, of this. Really, it, it's a very interesting read, a very quick read because it's very graphic. And you can then see each one of the sub super sectors, subsectors and subsectors to those and see how they all work. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm old school, but I, I quite like the definitions all the way down so I can start getting my head around what some of these, what some of these topics are. Now you do this to a thousand tokens, which is a lot. And you've got this view of a 360 degree review of those thousand tokens um, on, a, on a quarterly basis. Um, so I'm assuming, Martin, it's not just you doing all this. No, I, I'm, I'm very much a, <laughs> a, user, a user of that. Um, so our colleagues and, and partners at Digital Asset Research do the, do the, the hard work and they go through these uh, tokens. Um, it's actually 1,200 now um, because it, it, it maintains the top 1,000 by circulating value. Um, but obviously, once, once you're in, you're in. And if, if you fall by the wayside in terms of market size, um, you, you, know, you don't get dropped, you, you're retained. So it's around the 1,200 mark um, currently. Um, so it is it is a big job and it is time consuming. I think maintaining it um, and checking that existing coins are still have a sensible classification is is not as much work in inverted commas as researching a new coin and, and introducing new coins because you have to do a lot a lot yes. more groundwork um, and going yeah. to white papers and and so on to, to determine actually what is it this coin is doing, what's its function. Um, where does it where does it sit within this wider um, hierarchy of classific classifications? And in fact, you're actually not providing so investment recommendations, are you? You're simply indexing, so that does help a little bit more. Sorry, mate. Um, Nitin, go on. You know, I, you know, one thing to 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 Derek's point, uh, Martin is, I've always had this challenge for sanity. Uh, there's just so much going on. For example. When we went down this path, and there's a second question to this, into what I'm about to say, is that we looked into this in saying we start out with, I think, about eight categories. And today, at least internal classification that I have, we have done is about 17, uh, which if I were to sort of push this into your classification, it's at some form of factor, it'll settle in where all the DeFi will be a part of your financial instruments and all your layer one, layer two smart contracts would be part of your computing platform and everything else will fall into cryptocurrencies and digital assets, for example. But I think if you look at the traditional asset classes, right, these are commodities, real estate, um, oil and natural gas, chem you know, chemicals, they have a certain dependency, for example, real estate is part of the land, uh, mass and, 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 the, and, the, and the demand supply curve that goes with it. And then you have, of course, the retail industry and the transportation industry has dependency on oil, natural gas, and that's the correlation that you drive. Don't you think that because of the fact that much of the digital asset world relies upon foundational blockchain layer, which is layer one, it eventually falls into the realm of computational platforms that at the end of the day, these are tokenized assets and some of them derive its value from the token economic systems 
Some of them derive its value from crypto economic systems, which is what layer one and layer two and smart contracts do. And some of them actually represents real asset world assets, things like the tokenized real estate in the real world, right? Which is really meant for process efficiency or the initiative that the financial services industry is embarking upon is how can we use this technology to be able to make the process more efficient, remove transaction costs. So to, to me, there's a lot of dependency upon the layer one protocols. Um, and I, I'm trying to sort of grapple with this to say, is that too much risk in one basket where if the layer one or underneath the layer one, which is layer zero, uh, which is all the web 3.0 protocols, which is decentralization of interconnect compute storage, which drives and fuels the industry. Uh, and because we are now tokenizing real world assets into blockchain world, is there intertwined notion of suddenly now those real world sectors are sort of merging with these sectors that we're coming up with? It gets, it gets muddy. So love to understand <laughs> how do you maintain your sanity with, with all of these things that are happening in tandem? <laughs> um, yes, with, with great difficulty sometimes, I, I think. Um, but you're right, there is a, a huge interdependency across the board. So, you know, there however a thousand apps all running on top of Ethereum, you know, so there's that layer one, then you have the lay, these layer two all have this dependency on the network survival ultimately. And I think the decentralization has an inbuilt robustness there. And, and with something like Ethereum and some of the other larger smart contract platforms um that robustness is through the network size so provided the network size is is maintained um, and you have sufficient participants within the network to to maintain the security and to ensure consensus is is met in, in a robust way then i think actually it, it's perhaps less risky dare i say in inverted commas than a centralized um system where there's little kind of redundancy um in in the the network or the computers or the storage space for example so i mean an example may be if um if an exchange went down if, if an exchange goes down it's it's completely down isn't it um yes and there's no there's no mechanism by which to do that trading elsewhere unless it's dual listed but then there's all sorts of custody and clearing issues you know if you think of the equity space there are there are dual listings um whereas in in the digital world i guess because there are that many more platforms on which you can trade and you can trade decent in a decentralized environment then mm. that I would say mitigates some some types of risk. You know, obviously it's not risk free. Uh, that's not what what I'm trying to say, but at all. But it, there is there is mitigation in the decentralization, provided the network is is robust and, and is maintained properly. For which you know the larger coins that that you know the larger layer one coins, then that's that's true. Provided you know there's not sort of odd or algorithmic stablecoin dependencies there as well which we, we saw the, the collapse of Luna but you know for something like Ethereum or, or Cardano or you know I think they're sufficiently large um, in terms of their network that 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 redundancy and robustness is there so I I'm not sure there is 
an increase in risk necessarily, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I often think, um, you know, you project yourself into the future and you then try and convince them to do, an, uh, to do a piece of technology from the ancient past. And I wonder at some time in 10 years time or in five years time, but let's just say 10, you turn around and say, well, you know, the main, the main assets um, are now tokenized, public and, and private assets have been tokenized. They're available on dozens of prog um, on dozens of exchanges around the world. You can swap them through the variety of Uniswap. Um, everything is now decentralized. The assets are accessible 24 seven, but we've made a change. And today we've decided to go back and we've decided to make everything centralized. So we're going to take all the com companies in America and we're going to put them in one exchange. We're going to put the, the government in control of that one exchange. And that exchange only operates for six hours a day. That's our new ruling, six hours a day, and it's centralized. So just take it as it is. Imagine that. And, and it's funny how we, we're so accustomed to something that we think this is the normal, when all of a sudden now we're talking about 24-7, 365 all around the world and decentralized it is a lot more powerful and the way to do see how how you know powerful it is 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 looking back at today and really wondering whether you would do that in the future um i, I don't <laughs> that, think you would that, would you Nitin? <laughs> <laughs> certainly not you've come this far you're not going back in time <laughs> exactly and and if you look back and think you know how how the internet was designed originally it, it was for redundancy um you know back in the cold days of the cold war um to how do we maintain a network in, in the event of a, of a of a military um incident or, or attack and and so it was you know like the cellular network these things rarely go down in, in the grand scheme of things i mean they nodes will drop away but typically you you get reconnected via via some other mechanism and 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 to a large degree that's really you know what this decentralization and, and blockchain technology allows in the financial world it's essentially the internetization internetization of of money yes that's right yeah um so, so martin i had a hypothetical question here uh and and, and the interesting thing is like let's say we tokenize the world let's say we tokenize all the equities the 9,000 plus that exist, all the private equities, the private markets, which is, you know, hedge funds and RIAs and, and everything else. In this taxonomy, does that muddy the water now that suddenly now we are dealing with, you know, financial instruments section of your, of this taxonomy suddenly grows exponentially because at the end of the day, while we are still dealing with financial instruments, they do represent a sector of economy that stands on its own. So I'm just wondering what happens when we tokenize the entire, in addition to the digital sort of realm that we are dealing with at the moment, what will that look like? Is wouldn't that be confusing? Right. Uh, or would right. that be, right. or you know, would that mean that we have a new structure coming into place? Um, I think that there could be new structures that um, emerge from that. Um, at least the way we set up DATs, they would naturally fall into financial instruments, so they would be tokenized. Uh, equities, tokenized fixed income, tokenized private equity. Um, so it would naturally fall into that. And then within tokenized equity, um, you would have your uh, oil and gas or your um, financial services, um, technology and so on and so forth. So there would be a natural division or, uh, of that hierarchy as we understand it today, but it would just fall within that financial instruments um, 
classification. Um, and, and in some respects, I mean, you would have that already if you wanted to a broad classification because you, you would have your equities and then you would have your fixing and have your commodities um, um, and they will be broken down um, government bonds, corporate bonds, uh, agricultural commodities, um, mining, mined commodities, uh, liquid commodities, you, you name it. So I don't think really there's any difference, you know, to, to, to use that analogy. Um, it, it would be simply that in addition to what we understand the world now and how we categorize that as a hierarchy of commodities, fixed income equity, um, in addition, there would be um, digital currencies, um, and perhaps within that, your tokenized fiat may exist, or your um, um, central bank digital currencies, perhaps, and, and the smart contract platforms, or maybe, you know, I mean, but it is, it is an interesting one, because you, you could have this strange relationship whereby um, take Coinbase, for example, as, as a large publicly listed digital asset exchange. Um, so that would exist within its tokenized form would, would exist within financial instruments, uh, you know, public equity, perhaps. Um, but if they have um, their own token um, associated with them, like uh, FTX does, for example, that would fall within the computational platforms, application tokens, centralized exchanges. So, you know, it does an arbitrage opportunity, you know, emerge because you've got uh, a, a token associated with a company and, and a financial instrument associated with the company. So it could, it could get messy. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, the way I see this is that you know, we're, we're, we're still all on a discovery journey here. Um, and what you're doing, what we've been doing in, in our funds and our, and our reviews is we've been setting up signposts and we've been setting up directions so that the space becomes clearer and easy uh, defined. Um, and what you're doing, I, the minute I saw that, I went, whoa, this is extraordinary. This is defining the space in categories and subcategories. This is exciting. Now, you know, we've, we've defined it. Um, in 17 different categories and the obvious ones, the layer ones, layer twos, web 3.0s and gaming, et cetera, et cetera. And we've defined it in, in these categories and we've built them underneath. And now we see you've defined it as, you know, one industry, and I'm gonna say this again, three super sectors, 10 sectors, 42 subsectors, two themes and seven sub themes. And you're running that on 1200 different funds. And this is a robust index argument and, and it's impressive. And so, um, I would like to share what you've done and share this out. And, and so if I can, underneath the YouTube video, I'll provide a link. Otherwise, I'll, I'll provide a link through a, a detail through to Wilshire's. Um, if someone would like to, uh, you know, ask a question, tackle you on some of your definitions of the subsections um, along the way, how can they contact you, Martin? Um, so, so the the easiest way would be to to go via the, the Wilshire website and and mm -hmm. either contact us at that, that point and there'll be an email address that that would re ultimately reach me. Terrific. Okay, Martin Howard, and uh, and be found there. That's terrific. Um, look, fascinating work. Thank you so much, and I look forward to catching up with you again. Maybe next time we're in London, 
and yeah, uh, and seeing this progress. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Thanks very much for inviting me along, and we, we could have talked about all sorts of things for a lot longer. But this this is <laughs> a good introduction yeah. to at least how we we look at the world. And thanks, Martin. I think, uh, Derek, we should also make it a point that since we all are updating these classification every three months, perhaps revisit this in six months, have Martin back and see if our perspectives and the world has changed and revisit that change. I think that'll be fantastic, Martin. It'll be great to have you again, I think. Yeah, I'd be, yeah. be, be delighted. Indeed. Good on you, Martin. Enjoy a sunny day in London and, um, and you enjoy an enjoyable <laughs> day um, in, um, in the US, Nitin. And uh, we'll see you all again well, next thank week. Thank you, Derek. You too. Bye for now. All right. Here's then. Bye-bye. Bye, Martin. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please contact Nitin Gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week.